Is everyone having a good 4th of July weekend? A good Independence Day weekend? Anybody go to the parade yesterday at Harrisburg and have a blast? Man, we had a blast. Anyway, well, I'd like to welcome you here to uh, Walker River Church. Yeah, as I said earlier, I'm Donnie Eisenhower. Our lead pastor, Jimmy Britt, he is out of town with his family today uh, and this weekend getting some R&R. You know, our team leaders, our staff, you know, and our volunteers, once we got in this building, we have been moving at a neck-breaking speed. And so it's nice to get away just a little bit, just to spend time with your family and stuff. And that's what Jimmy's doing this weekend. And so pray for them. They'll be coming back uh, sometime this week and be here next uh, next Sunday. So pray for them that they'll have a great time with his family and everything and that everything will go well. And so, but anyway, what I want to talk about, you know, this is this is Independence Day weekend. I'd love this weekend. I, it's I, Christmas is my favorite, but Christmas seems to be more busy because you got to go to this family, you got to go to that family. You know, we've got two services here at Rocky River Church for Christmas Eve. You know, and so we're just doing a lot of running around. But I love Christmas; it's my favorite. But today is um, Independence Day, and so or tomorrow's Independence Day, and. I love it because you can relax, you can hang out a little bit, you can enjoy it. Yesterday I went and set up our chairs to claim our sidewalk for the parade and at 7 o'clock and they got me a Bojangles biscuit and came back and just hung out. I tailgated before the parade. So I was enjoying my time waiting for the parade. And then the parade comes and the parade in Harrisburg is awesome. It's like for my son, it's like trick-or-treating without having to go get the candy, it comes to you. Because we're throwing out all this candy and stuff and just having a great time and hanging out. I love, excuse me, was that me? I love the fireworks that go along with that right on cue. Um, I just, I, I love this time of the year. And we're going this evening to hang out with my family and just chilling and stuff. But also another reason why I like Independence Day is the movies. You know, um, in May, the, the big blockbuster movies start coming out. Uh, this, uh, this past weekend, Transformers comes out. And before I tell you more about movies, I wanted to tell you that when we talk about movies up here, we're, you know, this is our summer series of uh, God on Film. We're doing this not to encourage you to go see the movies. We know that a lot of you do go see the movies, but we want to use it as a tool to communicate a different passage or a different message from God's Word. And today, so while we're doing that, we're doing that with Transformers. Um, you see Transformers up here. More than any other movie in my life, this one reminds me of a kid when I was a kid. When anybody, when you were a kid, get the Sears Wish Book catalog. Remember that? Man, we'd get that. Me and my brothers, we would, when that came in the mail, we would fight for that. We would uh, try to steal it from the other, or we'd try to look at it all at the same time. We would just try to get to it. We didn't, we didn't care about the clothes. We'd skip through the clothes. We didn't care about the camping gear. We didn't care about the tools. We didn't care about the musical instruments. We'd go to the back of the book to look at the toys because that's what we wanted to see. And in there was this right here. This is Optimus Prime. He is a transformer. And, and when I looked through there, I saw that, and that's what I wanted. I wanted this Optimus Prime right here. And so I asked my mom for Christmas for Optimus Prime. And Christmas came, and I opened up all my presents, and I got to my last present, I opened it up. It was no Optimus Prime. I'm like, oh, man. So then I began to think, okay, my birthday is December 31st. If you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down. My birthday is six days after Christmas. And so I'm like, okay, this makes sense. 
You know, me and my brothers are close to age. I am I'm, uh, 12, not 12 months, 14 months older than my middle brother. My middle brother is 11 months older than my youngest, so we're real close in age. If my parents bought us things, they would buy us things, the exact same thing, so we wouldn't fight over it, or, so they, or it would be something similar in price, so it would be fair and we're treated equal. And so that's like, that's why mom and dad didn't buy me this Optimus Prime. So I got it for my, we'll get it for my birthday. So I woke up already on December 31st. I don't care about the new year. I just care about getting that Optimus Prime. So I opened up Optimus Prime, and, or I opened up my presents, and there it was not. No Optimus Prime. And so I began to think, how in the world can I get this Optimus Prime? So I went to the catalog, went to the back of the book where Optimus Prime was, and you know they had the picture with the number, and you know, say it was three, they had to go to the bottom of the page and see the description, you know, uh, Transformer Optimus Prime, built by Hasbro, transformed into a truck. And so the price was it was $23.99. For me, as a kid, $23.99 could have been $2,300 because that was a lot of money and I had no money. So I had to figure out how to, how to get it. So I saved my money and the money that I had when I saved up, I gave it to my mom. She ordered Optimus Prime for me and it came in the mail and I was excited. I loved that Optimus Prime. Now with Optimus Prime, I mean, all it is, honestly, is a truck that transforms into a robot. And if you're familiar with the Transformers, you know, the toys and stuff, you know, you got an airplane called Starscream, and it transforms into a robot. you got a little boombox radio that transforms into a robot named Shockwave. You know, I love this stuff. You know, and I looked up the prices the, earlier this week about how much they were. When I was a kid, Optimus Prime was $23.99. You know how much he is today, that same Optimus Prime? $249.99. That's not with the box. If you collect things, you know how important the box is. If you got the box, it's well over $400. But, man, I wish I still had Optimus Prime. But also, with, with this, you know, instead of being transformed from one thing, and from a truck or a toy into a robot, today I'm talking about transforming grace. Being transformed from the person who I am now, who God wants me to be. Looking at, looking at myself, the way God looks at me, and he looks at me through the lenses of grace. Now, some of the things I want to talk about today just doesn't make sense because, what's in, because what is in our nature. And so I'm going to share this with you. Now, this is how I want you to look at the message today. How many of you got kids, no matter how many, what age they are? And if you're like my son, for whatever reason, he always asks why questions. You know, one day we were going to, I always take him to daycare in the morning, and I enjoy that time because we, we're goofy, you know, we're singing or just telling funny jokes or something like that. But we went by the landfill, the, the speedway, and he just pays attention to the garbage trucks. You know, he sees how big they are, how small they are, the color they are, how many they are. He counts them, and he just pays attention to the garbage trucks. But one day he said, Dad, why is the garbage truck blue? I went, well... Because then it's where you could answer the first question and sound somewhat smart. And I went, well, Allied Waste bought BFI, and BFI's color was blue, so they painted all their garbage trucks blue. To me, that should have settled it. Why, Daddy? Well, because uh, BFI, their color was blue, and that was their favorite color, so that's why they painted all their trucks blue. Well, why, Daddy? Then you start making up stuff. Well, Blue, blue starts with a B, and BFI starts with a B, so that's why they chose that. Well, why, Daddy? Then you just get frustrated just because I said so. You know, have you experienced that with your own kids? 
Today, this is how we have to look at God's Word. Because it's not going to make sense. Because who we are and what we do and how, how we're ingrained with different things in our life, we can't explain some of the things in God's Bible. Only for the fact because God says so. We're human. He's God. We have an ending. We die here on earth. God never dies. We have limited capacity of thinking. God has ultimate capacity of thinking. And so there are just some things that we can understand, and so we just have to accept it because God says so. And that's what we've got to do. Before we dive into head first and into the sermon, what I want to do is take a moment to pray. I want to pray that, that your heart and your mind will be open and clear of distractions and that I can communicate clearly. So let's pray. God, I just love you, and I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your grace. And God, today I pray that you will use me to clearly communicate your word, that I'll clearly communicate the grace, the love that you have for us. God, I pray that for everyone in here, that they'll be removed from any distractions that they have in their life, whether they had some problems before they came into the door this morning or they have ongoing problems. But I pray right now that you remove them from their thinking, that their mind will be open and their hearts will be open to receive your grace today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's start off, what is grace? What is grace? I have been a Christian for 23 years, and I've struggled with grace, not fully understanding it. I don't think that we really, truly can fully understand it. But there, there are different aspects of grace I have struggled with my whole life because I've been in need of grace, and I have been needed to give grace to people. And so I have struggled with the understanding of God's grace. And the perfect example that I can give of God's grace comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 20 and 23. This is at the telling of a parable. I'm going to sum it up after I'm going to explain the parable and what this means about it. But it's Luke 15, 20 through 23. So then the son returned to his father while he was still a long distance away. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with the feast. For the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. And the party began. Okay, here's the setting of the story. This is Jesus telling the story. And Jesus is in a crowd of people. Jesus was a religious teacher. He was a rabbi. And he, was, he, knew, he had knowledge of the law. So he understood the ways of God. And he was the son of God. But what the problem was was that other religious leaders, they were separated themselves. They thought they were holy. They thought that they could not mingle with sinners. And so Jesus is among sinners, being among them and fellowshipping with them, having fun with them, going fishing with them, you know, eating with them. He was among sinners because he understood the heart of God. And the religious leaders did not. And so they begin to question Jesus, why did he spend all this time with sinners? And so then Jesus begins to rip off these three parables. The first one was the parable of the lost sheep. 
On the sheep was lost, and shepherd went to go find it, and he came home, and they celebrated. The second parable was where they go when the lady lost a coin, and she go and went and found the coin, and she came back and celebrated because she found that lost coin. And after he gave these examples, the religious leader still didn't understand. He said, all right, here it is. There was a man who had two sons. The youngest son wanted to live on his own and be his own person, be his own man. So he went to his father and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. And in essence is what he was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could begin to live my own life now. And so the father, in his love, gave his son his inheritance. And so then he went to another country. He lived a wild life. He spent his money. He had wild friends. He partied, and he had a good time. Then all of a sudden, a famine hit, and he lost everything. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about a famine, a famine, that's their economy based upon food. When they say a famine, that's like saying today here in America, a depression or a recession. You know, and many of you, before the recession or depression hit, you were living a great life. Things were going good for you. Then when it hit, man, you've lost just about everything. Maybe you have lost everything. And if you have, this is exactly what the son was experiencing. It got to the point where he could not find a job nowhere. It got so bad that he had to find a job just so he could eat. And he goes to work for this pig farmer, not for the money, but for the food. And the food was pig slop, so he can eat. Now, you need to understand, Jews do not do anything with pigs. They considered pigs unclean. They would have nothing to do with pigs, and so they would not eat them, they would not feed them, they wouldn't, they'd barely look at them, if that. And so, for this boy to do it, he would have to forget his whole upbringing. Now, I am not a Jew. I don't see how they could do without barbecue or bacon or sausage. You know, what would breakfast be like without those things? But, but this is how bad it was for this boy. He, was, he, he threw away his upbringing of, of not associating with this so he could eat. That's how low he got. In the Bible it says, and he came to his senses. And he realized he could go back to his father and maybe be a slave or a servant. The servants there had, were treated much better than he was being treated. The people that were working for his father were being much treated, and he thought, maybe I just could go and be a servant in my father's house, and that's all I need. And so he goes home, and while he's coming, he didn't come up and tap Dad on the shirt. Dad, I'm home. No, it says that his father saw him a long way off. And went to go greet him. And he started to say, Dad, I just want to be a servant. But his dad got so excited and was hugging him. And said, bring the family ring and put it on his finger. Bring the family robe and put it on him. And bring shoes and sandals for his feet. You see, all these things are important. His father was saying, I don't care what you have done. I don't care how bad it was. I don't care that you blew all your money. You are back home. You are with me. You are part of the family again. And also during this culture, servants, slaves, they did not wear shoes. And that's what's significant in this passage. The father gives his son sandals. You're not going to be a servant. You're going to be my son. And so that's what God does for us. Regardless of how much we've messed up, 
God wants us to be part of his family. He wants us to come home and be in communion, be in relationship with him. And so what grace is, grace is an unconditional love. It's God's unconditional love. It's forgiving that's unlimited, and it's a passion for you that is unending. Grace is forgiveness that's unlimited, and a passion for you that is unending. It's God's unconditional love. Now, how many people want that? How awesome it is to experience that in our lives. God's unending love, unending unending forgiveness, unconditional love for us. We all want that. We all want to experience that. Now, why do we need grace? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need grace because we all, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now what is God's glory? God's glory is perfection. Why is God's glory perfection? Because God is perfect. God is perfect. You know, when I was in college, I had a best friend named Bruce Mulford. We were great friends, and uh, we lived beside each other, and I was the best man at his wedding, and I just loved Bruce. But what frustrated me about Bruce was that I would have to study all night long to just even make a D on a theology test. But Bruce could study for 30 minutes. Bam, he aced it. And so it was frustrating to me. And I hated having Bruce in a class because we'd be in class, and if you, I don't know if, if you're in college, if, but if they ever had a bell curve, man, I lived by the bell curve. And when, um, if you don't know what it is, is if someone in the class did not make 100, whoever was closest to the 100, say if you got a 92 and it took eight points to get you up to 100, then everybody else in the class got eight points. And so I loved the bell curve. That's how I lived my test. Because there were times I would make me from an F to at least a D. Not that bad, but close. And so Bruce would always make these great grades. And so I would have to compare myself to Bruce based upon his grade. But you see, a lot of times we have the thinking inside of us that we have to to be 100% or we compare to someone over here and say, hey, this person's awesome. There's no way I could be like this person. Or I am much better than this person over here. You know, I, I compare pretty good to this person over here. That's not how, how God grades us. That's not how God looks at us. God looks at us through the eyes of grace, through the lenses of grace. You know, the way that I can understand this a little bit better, the part that we are sinners, that we're born into sin, is looking at my son. He is going to be four years old this Thursday. He is a 777 baby. And I can't believe it because it just seems like yesterday that Dr. we were in a hospital room and he was being born and Dr. Jones pulled him out and I was just there looking at him. How awesome, how beautiful he was, how innocent, how pure he was. And then he started growing up and acting like his mama. Doing bad things. No, he grew up and acted like his daddy doing bad things. 
See, I did not have to teach Michael Ding to do bad things. He just started doing those bad things. And what Corey and I have to do, we have to teach him the good things to do. We have to teach him, do this, don't do that. No, son, that's not what you're supposed to do. Don't say that word, because believe me, they'll say that word at the most embarrassing time. Don't do that. So because of that, that's how I understand sin. We are all born into sin. You know, it's hard to think, oh, I'm a sinner, or you're a sinner. It's hard for us to think that. But we all are sinners. We are all born to it. It's in our nature to be sinners. But in 1 Peter 3.18, it says, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins. Once and for all, once and for all time. He suffered. He never sinned. But he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. God paid our ticket. Jesus paid our ticket. He was the, the toll for us to get to heaven. That's what Jesus did. Then Ephesians 2.8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. It is hard to understand that. It is a gift from God. Because everything in our whole life that we do, you if you want good grades, you've got to study hard. If you want the promotion at work, you've got to work hard for it. If you want to make money, you just got to work hard for it. If you want a great family, you need to work hard at your family to do the right thing so you have a great family. Everything that we do is based upon work, work, work. There's nothing free. You don't get something for nothing. The early bird gets the worm. God helps those who help himself. We all have heard that and it is ingrained in who we are. And so for us to get something so unconditional, so unexplainable, that for free, for nothing on what I've done, it doesn't make sense. But that's what Jesus, that's what God does for us. And that, when we consider these things, that's what we've got to understand. Because God says so. Because he says in his words, that's what he'll do for us. And that's what he's done for us. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Now I want to explain something that's a little personal to me. It's difficult. Me and Courtney have talked about how I'd share this. If if to talk about something different. Let's suppose Michael Dean, I took him to his daycare, and someone comes in and starts shooting, and Michael Dean's a victim of that. And then let's suppose I find out who it was, and I go find this guy or this person, whoever it was, and kill him. Because an eye for an eye, that would be vengeance. But let's say I stayed back. I let the authorities catch him, do their thing. I let him go to trial. I let them do whatever they do. He gets sentenced, and that sentence fulfilled, or whatever that sentencing is. That is justice. But let's say that I find out who the guy is again, and I befriend him. Let's say that I begin to testify for this guy. I begin to do the things for this, for this guy. And then I adopt him into my home. I give him my last name, and he's part of my family. That is grace. And that's exactly what God did for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world to live among us. We kill him. The religious leaders killed him. The people there killed him. But yet because of his death, 
and he died and rose again, God adopts us into his family. God makes us part of his family. We get that because of grace. It's nothing that I did. We get that because of God's grace. What is grace? Grace is love that's unconditional. Why do we need grace? For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now what does grace do for me? Number one, grace breaks the labels from my past. Grace breaks the labels from my past. Now, I want to play a game with you. And when I do this with my wife, it drives her nuts. Uh, If we're talking and she'll say a name and I'll put something in there to say, she's like, well, have you heard from Britney? I went, Britney Spears? Like, no, Britney Smith. You know, so I'll do that in the aggravator. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give out a name, and you can say the label that follows it, okay? Let's try it. There is someone called Attila the Hun. Very good. There's Conan the Barbarian. Come on, y'all know these. There's Billy the Kid. There's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, very good. There's Hannah Montana. That's really just her last name. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Then there's Winnie the Who. You see, these people have different names attached to them. You know, good, bad, or funny, whatever it is, they're just attached to them. Now, in life, we all have some type of name attached to us. Whether you know it or not, some people acknowledge it, some people don't. But uh, let's say that maybe you've been called a doormat. You've got the label or the tag that's your doormat. That people just walk over you, they take advantage of you, they use you, you're a doormat. Let's say that um, you're someone who had an affair. And that's been labeled you. You feel like damaged goods. You feel like no one looks at you the same. You know, let's say maybe that you're not good with money or that you're the pretty girl, or you're the party guy, and you'll just never settle down. Maybe you're just average, average Joe or average Jane, and you just are here. Whatever label that is in your life that follows you, wherever you go or whatever you do or however people see you, God's grace is bigger than that. God's grace is bigger than that. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creature, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Now, another translation I like is the message translation. It's not a good study translation, but it's a good paraphrase translation. And this is what it says. Now, we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, and the new life begins. So whatever label that follows you, it's gone. You've got a new life. You've got a new beginning. Now, I want to tell you this story, and I love this story from the Bible. There's a girl in the Bible her name is mentioned eight times. And eight times in the Bible, she has this negative association with her, with her uh, name. Her name is Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. And you see, during this time in the Bible, these, um, there were like kind of two types of prostitutes. 
There was one that worked in the temple, kind of like a South Park madam that we saw here a couple years ago. Well, there was one that worked at the truck stop. She'd be the one that would get you'd see on the TV cops. This is the type of prostitute that she was. She was the lowest of low prostitutes. You know, and so in her life, I'm sure like I've heard other women say that they would want a relationship. They'd want marriage. They'd want to have kids and stuff. And I'm sure that being a prostitute, she felt like she was damaged goods, that there would never be love attached to this, that no one would ever care for me, that I'll never find a man and get married and have kids and have this beautiful family and have great-grandkids because of my past, because of this label. During this time with Rahab, she lived in Jericho. And Jericho, if you read in the Old Testament, was the first city that the Israelites was going to attack. And so for 40 years, Jericho heard about what God was doing with the Israelites. They heard the miracles on how they came out of Egypt. They heard how God provided food for them, how God protected them, how God provided water for them. So 40 years, Jericho had been hearing about this. And Rahab, being part of Jericho, heard about this. Then Jericho crossed over Jordan, and the first city for them to attack was going to be Jericho. And so Rahab, there were some spies that came into Jericho, and she found these spies, and she took her into her home, these spies into her home. And she began to hear the stories about God and what God was doing for them again. And her heart began to melt. And so before the, um, before the spies left, she made them promise to take the, her with her with them when they destroyed the city. And so her family got together, got into her house. The Israelites came and marched around, and the walls came tumbling down. All the homes and everything was ruined but hers. Her and her family lived. And so she, they, her, her and her family blended in with, with the Israelites. And during that time, she met a man, a man named Salmon. And so in that, they were able to have a relationship and got married, and they had kids. They had a son. That son had another son. She had a great-grandson. Then that great-grandson had another son. And so five times over, she had a great, a great, 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 great grandson. And his name was Jesus Christ. You see, the label that she had of, of um, Rahab the prostitute was wiped clean because of God's grace. And through her, God used her to save the world to become a new person. She was able to experience things because of God's grace. What tag follows you? Be a new person. Become a new creation. And second, God's grace, it frees us. God's grace frees us. God's grace does not make us perfect. I am not perfect because of God's grace. But what God's grace does for me, it allows me to see things more clearly. It allows me to see my adequacies more clearly. It allows me to see when I sin more clearly. It allows me to see the things that I do more clearly. Because I know there, there are times I just fly off the handle. I get angry. There are times I get selfish. There are times that I say things that I should not say. God's grace covers those things. God's grace covers those things and helps me with those things. You know, and a lot of times we, there's, there are people that see God sitting up on a throne with his arms crossed. He's got a big 
you're a loser on his shirt, and he's got the big L on the forehead. You're a loser. But God's grace allows us not to be a loser. God's grace does not want us to feel guilty. I believe there's a battle out there all the time that a feeling guilty of what we have done, and God's grace does not do that. God's grace wants us to be free. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death, so that we may have forgiveness of sin. How rich is God's grace, which he has given us so freely and fully. Because of the sacrifice, this is the message again, same, mess, same passage but said differently. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are free people, free from penalty and punishment, chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. You see what God's grace does? It makes us free of guilt, free of shame. It makes us free to live a life abundantly. That's what God offers us, not to be held back from, from guilt, but to live abundantly. He loves us. Unforgiving love. Always forgiving love. I'm sorry, I mistake that. How many of you know what this is? It's an sketch How many of you had one of these growing up? Now, if you're from West Virginia, they call this an iPad. Oh, sorry. Now, you know on this, you could only, I'm sorry, Catherine, we love people from West Virginia. If we went for West Virginia, we have no good jokes. Anyway, you know, on, um, that's true, there is Mount Pleasant. You know, on the Esther sketch here, you, you, all you can really do is make rectangles. You can make squares. You can make a skyscraper. You can't really make a circle. You really can't write a letter unless you're like Buddy the Elf, you know. He can write a letter. That's all you can do. Now, and when you mess up, here's what happens. You just, you just shake it, and it's clean. I can start over again. This Etch-A-Sketch is our life. This Etch-A-Sketch represents what God's love, what God's grace is. I don't know what's written on your Etch-A-Sketch. I don't know if it's what sin it is. I mean, it could be cheating. It could be lying. Could have been abortion. It could be bad decisions with money, stealing. But wherever it is, because of God's grace, this is what He does. Brand new. All over again. As the band comes forward, Isaiah 43 5 says, I. I am the one who erases all your sins for my sake. I will not remember your sins. You see, what I love about God, what I love about His grace, is that He forgets my sin. And it's not that God's forgetful, that He forgets where He puts His car keys or where He put that planet. He chooses to forget. He chooses not to remember our sins anymore that is what god does for us that is what his grace is and i don't understand it but i know it's there because he says it's there and the band's going to start playing quietly 
I want to challenge you. Where are you at? Where are you at with God's grace? Maybe you've never experienced God's grace and you want to experience it for the first time. There's a blue connection card in your bulletin. If you look on the back, check off the box, commit my life to Christ. And what that means is that you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that you want to receive his grace. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've forgotten about God's grace, and you're not living in it, and you're living with guilt. You're living with shame. And these things are just holding you back. And you want to experience His grace again. On the connection card, check the second box. I want to recommit my life to Christ. And this week, myself or Pastor Jimmy, we'll give you a call. We'll pray with you. We'll do what we can to help you. We'll give you some resources to help you with your walk with Christ. And we're going to take 30 seconds for you to examine yourself. The band's going to play, and this is the opportunity to fill out your connection card. If you're giving today, this is also an opportunity to prepare your gift. After 30 seconds, the band's going to start playing, and we will receive our offering. Let's pray. Let's all stand and close in prayer. God, you're an awesome God, and I thank you for your love. I thank you for the grace that you have for us. God, I pray today that when we leave here, we remember that, that regardless of what I do, regardless of what I say, you will still love me and you will still give me grace. Please, you keep us safe this weekend as we celebrate Independence Day. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say amen. You have a happy Independence Day.